You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. What a way to get the week started. 18 new Ole Miss Rebels, 16 of whom we absolutely know for sure and can identify enrolled and joined the football program on Monday. Coleman Hutzler, he's set to join the Ole Miss coaching staff, according to AL.com. Jimmy Brumball, formerly of Tennessee, is expected to interview with Lane Kiffin this week for the defensive line job. Tywon Malone, scheduled to visit Ole Miss this weekend. That's Brad's guy. Oh, and Jeremy Pruitt was fired at Tennessee in a scathing dismissal letter from the school. And Phil Fulmer uh, resigned. Not coincidental at all. Brad, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, man? Biggest storyline for you on Monday slash Tuesday was what? Um, I would say it's probably that the Tennessee coach getting fired. I mean, that is, um, I can't say I was surprised by it, but for with it being so late, um, typically the firings happen right after the season. But um, yeah, that brings a lot of questions into play. I mean, who's going to be their coach? I'm, loud, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Hugh Freeze talk there. I know he would be someone that really want that job. And, um, you know, then on top of that, you know, what, what happens with their recruits? I know they have, um, you know, the, the, will their recruits be to, you know, get out, get out of it or, and come to another school or what will happen there? Cause I know they have that, um, that defensive end that we were after really hard. It'd be nice to, to scoop him back up. So, um, yeah, that's, that, that to me is, is pretty crazy to see a coach get fired this, this late into the, the season. Byron Young is the defensive end you're talking about. Another guy Ole Miss was yep. in on, Amari Thomas. He's a defensive tackle from Briarcrest. There are some prospects out there that Ole Miss, if those kids got released from their LOIs, could potentially scoop up. But Ole Miss doesn't have a lot of room right now. But you're right about one thing for sure. Hugh Freeze wants Tennessee. That's the job he's been waiting on. But does Tennessee want Hugh Freeze? Hugh Freeze wants to be involved in every job. He wanted to be involved with Auburn. Auburn had nothing to do with Hugh Freeze. Alan Green, Matt Ball, both former Ole Miss people, didn't even consider Hugh Freeze. His involvement with South Carolina was completely overblown. Tennessee, he's going to put his name out there. He's going to talk to his friends in the media, the national media. He's going to make sure that he's floated as a candidate. He's included on all those coaching board lists. But Tennessee is staring down multiple level one infractions with the NCAA in an NCAA investigative case not so unsimilar to Ole Miss's, which I would say to Tennessee, I have a few things you should not do as you navigate your NCAA investigative case. One, be open and honest with your fans. Don't kind of bend the truth. Don't tell just a little bit of the truth. Give them what's happening. They can handle it. Don't tell them you're waiting to share your story, to tell your side of the story. Tell your side of the story. The NCAA does not play fair with all of the leaks that happened in Ole Miss's NCAA investigative case through Pat Forty and Dan Walken. Share your side and be open and honest because there's no way to really mitigate the penalties you're going to get. You're going to get hit how the NCAA wants to hit you. It doesn't matter what you say publicly. That's what Ole Miss said. We couldn't say this, we couldn't say that, we didn't want to do this, we didn't want to do that. And Ole Miss did do a lot of things in private, away from the media, out of the public spotlight to ensure that guys like Dante Moncrief got to keep playing. Laramie Tunsil got back on the field. But be honest 
with your fans first and foremost. They can handle it. They're big boys and girls. Obviously, watching Ole Miss's case and, and everything that happened with Ole Miss, I mean, that was, that was a disaster for Ole Miss. But I'm Tennessee. I'm just trying to do everything right. You know, obviously, I think they did the right thing if there is some fractions of getting rid of the coach and just start um, you know, cleaning the house and trying to clean it back up to get get back on the right track. I mean, um, there's really, really nothing you can do once you're um, – you know, what, what sucked for them is not only if, if they were cheating and they sucked, that's just like the, the double whammy, man. I mean, they really haven't been that good yeah. um, to be getting caught cheating so that's just um it was all for not you know obviously so um yeah I, I would say get um get everything get everything cleaned up get back on the right track Ole Miss had to do it it took us freaking five years to get it um you know four or five years to get it back on the right track and I think we're right there on top of the hill you know ready to make that that turn and become relevant again so um yeah good luck is about all I can say to them my favorite instance in college football is whenever a coach is fired with NCAA stuff surrounding them Fans from opposing schools. Oh, see, we knew they were cheating. As if their school isn't doing something in some way to bend the rules. Everybody is cheating. So let's stop pretending like your school is the only school that isn't cheating. Specifically talking about the Michigan fan base. They're the worst about this. Here's another thing if you're Tennessee navigating the NCAA investigative case. Don't give things away to the NCAA voluntarily. Don't give away phone records. Don't hand over a bunch of things that might further incriminate yourself. Don't give them the knife in which to stab you in the back. They do not have subpoena power. Let them find things out for themselves. Don't just volunteer things over to them, because at that point, you're screwing yourself. But I say all this to say, in that environment, knowing what Tennessee is staring down, do you really think that Tennessee is going to hire Hugh Freeze? Really? They could. Heck, as you're listening to this podcast, maybe they moved quickly, went and talked to Hugh Freeze, secured him because he wants to go to Tennessee. He wants that job. But you don't hire Hugh Freeze when you're dealing with this, when you're staring down that barrel of that gun. That's not the guy you bring in. He resigned from Ole Miss because of, obviously, the ugly truth of what happened with his phone records. But the NCAA stuff played a part in that as well. All Ross Bjork did was use that, the phone records, to get rid of Hugh Freeze and get out from under the money that they owed him. They had been protecting him throughout the whole process, the entire NCAA investigative case. They were going to stand by their man. And then that happened, and it gave Ross the excuse. But if you're Tennessee and you're going through a coaching search in mid-January, now granted, the early signing period being in December now, when most programs get their work done in recruiting, it doesn't really have the same effect, but why would you hire Hugh Freeze? Why would he be the guy? Billy Napier makes so much sense, but Billy Napier made sense for Auburn. Billy Napier made sense for South Carolina. I don't know what Billy Napier is waiting on. Maybe it was for Tennessee. Is Billy Napier walking into an NCAA mess? Hugh Freeze would take it no matter what. We all know that. He's desperate. He wants back in the SEC, and he wants this job in particular. I know that for a fact. I knew that and said that on this podcast, I think, a month or two ago. Tennessee is the job Hugh Freeze wants. The feeling has to be mutual. At the end of the day, unfortunately, um, it's always about results, man. And that is just um, that that there ain't no other way to put it. And, and I know people always say, hey, you know, this guy's got the character, all that. I mean, that's all such a fluff when it comes to sports. And I yep. experienced that my whole career. What they really want is somebody that's going to win. If he freezes the guy they think can win. That's all that matters. And, you know, you, you hear, you know, this guy, I mean, you see it all the time with, with players that get in trouble. Well, certain players can get in a lot of trouble and never get fired. 
certain players they are waiting to get for them to get in trouble so they can fire them. So same kind of scenario, man. It's it's all results business. Um, you know, some guys have had more more lives than than, than, than three cats. So um, he, he's certainly a guy that has the results that, that I can see Tennessee taking a chance on and, and 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 making it happen. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I, why would you turn to him? No other reason than that he's a winner. If they do. This podcast will be fun for one day, and then we'll move on from it. But it is nice to be on the other end of this kind of stuff, because I know there are a lot of conversations in Knoxville. I was on a lot of radio shows talking about Ole Miss's NCAA investigative case in Tennessee. So it's nice to be on the other end, letting all of you out there, all you fans for other schools out there know, it can happen to you too. All that matters for the NCAA is if it gets something and it sets its sights on you, It's going to get its pound of flesh. No one is immune. Well, except Alabama. But no one really is immune. If the NCAA decides we're going after this school, it will go after that school, it will extend it and drag it out as far as it possibly can if it wants to, and then bury you under the jail. But don't just hand stuff over to them, Tennessee. Just don't do that. Ole Miss did. And screwed itself. Gave away the call logs, the Leo stuff. Come on. But in other news, like I mentioned at the top of the show, 18 new Ole Miss Rebels enrolled and joined the football program on Monday. 16 we know for sure. Western Kentucky transfer Jacor Pearson. He's a wide receiver, 800 and something receiving yards. Second team CUSA in his last full season in 2019. Quarterback Luke Altmaier, MJ Daniels, Brandon Buckhalter, Elijah Sabatini, Quay Davis, Jamon Gordon, Hudson Wolf, Trey Washington, Micah Pettis, Tysheem Johnson, Dink Jackson, Isaiah Eiton, Markevious Brown, Kendrick Breedlove, DeMarco Williams. I want to play a little bit of a game, Brad. I'm going to go through each one of these names. Now, you don't have to tell me at length what they have to do or what Ole Miss needs them to do, but just tell me in general for each one of these kids that I list off what Ole Miss needs out of them, if anything, next year. You ready? Yes, let's roll. Western Kentucky transfer, Ja'Core Pearson, Wide receiver, potentially a replacement for Elijah Moore in the slot. What does Ole Miss need out of him next year, if anything? I think they need to come, they, he needs to come in and um, he needs to be really competitive. He needs to compete. He needs to have a, a mindset that he's going to be the slot receiver just because I think that'll, that competition will really help the wide receiver room. If he turns out to be good, that would be a, a total plus, a total extra body since nobody was expecting him to come in anyways. And not to mention, he needs to be. Um, we're going to have a lot of good young receivers coming in. He needs to, to be a veteran presence and, and set a good example on teaching these guys how to work. They're going to be looking at him because he's already played football for a while. So um, he needs to set an example for these younger guys coming in too. Nine guys are coming in in May or early June. Two of them are wide receivers, Braylon Brown and your boy, J.J. Henry. So you're saying – Pearson needs to be the guy, the leader in the room that they have to beat out. He certainly, you would like him to actually be the slot this year, if, if possible. Um, if he's as good as they say he is, um, you know, the, you got him, you have, you have Braylon Sanders coming back as well. You know, him and Braylon will be the older guys with Drummond, maybe being, you know, Drummond's still not that old either. And neither is uh, Mingo. So um, you're going to have those two guys kind of leading the bunch, um, you know, trying to k- catch all the young guys up to speed. Luke Altmeyer. So I think Luke should come in. He should obviously be ready. He's going to be QB number two. But he needs to come in, and he, he needs to be very thankful that, that Matt Corral's here, and, and he gets one year to kind of get his, his feet wet and get to see you know what it's like to stand on the sidelines in some of these big stadiums. Um, he's to learn as much as he can and be prepared as he can just in case his number's called. But he gets that one year to kind of learn. This is a big learning year for him. 
um, because it could be worse. He could get thrown right in there. And then sometimes when you throw a guy in there too early, you could kill their confidence and sometimes they never recover. So I've seen it happen a bunch. Um, so he gets one year to kind of get ready. And then, um, you know, when the year, when the year's over with, he's going to reach in Matt Corral's pocket, take the keys and it should be his for the next, um, the next four years. So ho- hopefully we can retro him and have him ready to go for four years. And, um, you know, that, that, that would, that would be a best case scenario. MJ Daniels is listed as an athlete. He's probably going to play safety. Ole Miss in recruiting pitched to him that they're going to use him on both sides of the ball. But let's assume that he's a safety. What do they need out of MJ Daniels? You know, I think he just just like the um, the slot receiver. I think he's coming ready to compete because, listen, the, the defense there there is no gimmies on defense other than maybe Otis Reese and and maybe another guy, maybe another guy or two. But come in hungry, ready to compete. I think he'll he can have a chance to contribute. Um, you never know with Lane. I mean, he could end up being on offense as well. So, um, yeah, I think just coming in with a good mindset, ready to compete, he's, he's coming into a defense that, that has a lot of holes. So um, he should have a chance to get on the field. One of your other favorites, Brandon Buckhalter, going to start out at wide receiver. What does Ole Miss need out of him? Um, Buckhalter, I, so I really like the way he um, – his film reminds me a lot of – he runs a little bit like A.J. Brown. I'm not sure he's that good, but – um, he kind of carries himself and kind of moves similar to that, but, um, I think he's come, comes in ready to learn, um, young guy. So, so learn that playbook, um, best you can. That's, that's usually the, the thing that holds some of the younger skill guys back learning route concepts. Um, within the wide receiver room, when we have some guys, but we don't have just like, like guys, guys, you know, so there will be a chance for him to come in and, and compete and, and potentially play early. So he's got to be ready to go when it, um, when, when, it, when his number's called. One of my personal favorites, defensive back Elijah Sabatini. Yeah, he looks pretty good on film, but I feel like he's going to be one of those guys who made, made it a little time. I um, think he's going to be probably more of a special teams role kind of guy. But, um, you know, like, like I said earlier with all the other guys, there's a chance on defense, some chances to compete, some chances to get on the field. Um, I see him being a, being a guy that's going to learn for the first year and, and, and potentially being a special teams guy. Juco's aren't recruited to sit, so Juco wide receiver Quay Davis. I like Quay Davis. Um, just just looking at his film, I think he, he's a sleeper for the slot too. He's a little bit thicker than 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 most slots, but if you look at his film, I mean, he is um, he's really good after the catch. Um, watching watching his Juco film, so I think it'd be really cool for a guy like that who um, you know had to kind of wait for his offer there at the end to come in and actually play. And that's typically how it works out. To be honest with you, I wouldn't I would not be surprised if Quay Davis was the better better receiver of the whole bunch. So, um, yeah, his, his film's very impressive. Um, really good kid. I actually know some people that knew him to the Juco ranks. He's a really good kid with a good attitude. So um, we'll be looking forward to, to him trying to get some playing time as well. Also interesting to note with him, Braylon Sanders has a hard time staying on the field. He's always injured at some point in the year. So you're going to need as many of these guys as possible to step up and play. Say Braylon gets hurt, you got Drummond, Mingo, and then you have the kid from Western Kentucky and then Quay Davis. That's four experienced guys. So just in case some of your freshmen aren't ready or they, or they don't turn out the way you think they're going to be, you still got four solid guys that have such experience somewhat, and um, you don't have to throw your young guys in there um, too early if they're not ready. I'm going to combine these two guys because they both play the same position. They're both JUCOs, and they both matter. JUCO defensive tackles, Jamon Gordon and Isaiah Eiton. Both of those two guys, I mean, they're, they're not going to be guys you look at on the, when you're look at, flipping through Ole Miss's list. You see all two JUCO three-star guys, but those guys matter so much on that D-line. 
Um, obviously, it was nice to get some of the, the seniors coming back. We really need we really need some guys that can apply some pressure to the quarterback, and I think Aiden is is definitely one of those guys. Um, Gordon Cordell certainly stepped right in there and play as well. So those are two important pieces um, with experience, bigger guys that can really help out that D line get, get a nice rotation going and try to get some kind of a serviceable D line. I think that'll help the whole the whole defense, the linebackers, everything having having two more good bodies in there. You need one or both of them to start. Absolutely. I think Aiton, I mean, just looking at some of his film, looking at how he works, the dude is absolutely yoked, too. Um, he looks like an absolute dog. I'm excited about him. If he doesn't start and if he's not good, I'd be shocked. It's hard to say this about any offensive lineman because you don't want to write him off immediately, but that's the hardest position to step in and play. So Micah Pettis, I would guess, would be a red shirt guy, especially when you look at what Ole Miss is returning. Pretty much everybody except Royce Newman at right tackle, and I expect probably Cedric Melton to step in at right tackle. So offensive linemen, even when we talk about these guys that come in in May or June, all of these guys, I would assume you're probably going to say just get bigger, faster, and stronger in the weight room and watch and learn. Yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, the O-line is the hardest position to come straight in and play. I mean, unless you're like a Laramie Tunsil or – or, or, or really, really good, you know, true freshman. It, it's really hard to get in there and play. Um, a lot of the times the guys have the exact frame you want. They can move really good, but the technique is what, what takes, you know, just, just depending on what they come from in high school, but the technique is what takes the longest um, for guys to get up to speed. And then on top of that, I mean, you're, you go, sometimes you're going against a red shirt senior that's 22 years old and you're 18. He's been lifting for four years and it's just, it's just a, a, a physical mismatch in there. So, um, yeah, but most linemen, I, I I wouldn't expect to see these guys for another year or two, um, just because that you know we have some we have some solid depth there. We have some good dudes, so um, yeah, th- these guys will be brought up to speed the first year or two. If one of them end up playing you know early over somebody, they they would be a very good O lineman. I'm going to combine all the cornerbacks: Trey Washington, Markevious Brown, Demarco Williams, Kendrick Breedlove is listed as an athlete. He's going to probably be a cornerback. Is it get two of those guys to contribute in meaningful ways? Just get two of those guys to give you meaningful playing time. Is that what Ole Miss is looking for? I would say so. If two of those guys can get in, then on top of that, you add some good, young, um, you know, hungry special teams guys. And then, I mean, listen, I wouldn't be surprised if if Lane, if one of these guys can run really well, try to put them on offense too. So, um, especially when they when they call him an athlete, that's that's you know, you never know what Lane actually wants to for. Especially the breed love kid. He's only about five ten, one sixty five. So. Um, he can certainly be be a be an offensive candidate. So, yeah, I think I think Lane will really know once he gets the guys there and watch them move around, and then he can kind of place them once they get there. But yeah, you're hoping some of these guys are are, are contributors and, and are solid players. Markevious Brown was a big time land, a four star. Got him over Auburn. You hope a guy like that can come in and push somebody somewhere. Same thing with the safeties: Dink Jackson, Tysheem Johnson, Tysheem Johnson is one of this staff's favorite players in the whole class. They did not recruit him to redshirt, so it would be disappointing if he didn't come in and contribute not only in the back end as a rotational player or potentially a starter. Maybe he's that good as a true freshman, but special teams matter too. So Dink Jackson, you're a four-star safety slash linebacker. Tysheem Johnson, Markevious Brown, live up to your billing. Is that what it is for them? Yeah, absolutely, man. If you think about it, we have some, if this class turns out to be pretty good, on top of what we already have, our secondary should be set for years. I mean, we have some absolute dudes coming in up for the secondary athletes, some very good athletes. So um, I don't know if it, that was by design or what, but um, they are really fixed up to secondary um, this year. So, yeah, just just live up to the hype. I mean, it's it's um, you know, get in there and contribute if you can. 
but um, that they should be hungry to get better and and, and um, you know, learn as much as they can. But I, I certainly think you're going to see one or two of these guys coming in being pretty dang good players. Those are the 16 we know. Maybe the other two are preferred walk-ons. Maybe they're two guys that were supposed to report in May or early June. That's Braylon Brown, J.J. Henry, Jaden Williams, Demarcus Smith, Eric Cade, Jabran Hawkins, Cedric Nicely, Talik Robbins, and the kicker, Caden Costa. Tywon Malone is supposed to come in this weekend. Now, Tywon Malone is your dude. We were talking about recruiting in December, November. He was the name you always brought up as your guy that you absolutely believed Ole Miss had to have. He's splitting time visiting, supposed to, Ole Miss and Tennessee. But with the mess at Tennessee, could it possibly change? Maybe Tywon Malone just spends time at Ole Miss because who's going to actually be there for him to host him for a visit? Jimmy Brumbaugh is coming in to interview at Ole Miss. He was fired in the middle of the season by Jeremy Pruitt, but he was the primary recruiter for Tywon Malone. I don't think that's coincidental. My only question with Brumbaugh is with everything swirling around Tennessee, don't you, if you're Lane Kiffin, you need to be a little delicate there? Vet a Brumbaugh as much as you possibly can because who knows how far out these branches extend for Tennessee as far as the NCAA is concerned. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet with Ben Brown, Ole Miss current offensive lineman, coming up on the Modern Women phone line after I tell you briefly about Chinese Pharmacy, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. A new year is here, and you want to put your best foot forward. The only way to do that is to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, that you're keeping yourself safe, that your pharmacy is one you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at cheneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Yeah, I certainly think that, that you'd be cautious there, but I also don't think Lane Kiffin um, just calls these guys and says, Hey, um, you know, come in for an interview. I'm pretty sure he does his homework. He probably, you know, he's probably asked around. He probably knows, um, you know, most of these coaches know the extent of what, what happened or what they're accused. I mean, they talk so, um, especially Pruitt and Kiffin. So if I had to guess this was, he did his homework and this would be a guy that he would be interested in, um, you know, and, and wouldn't have any issues. Um, I would be I'd be very shocked if he brought a guy in that that he knew was bringing some baggage with him. So, especially all the stuff we just went through. Um, but yeah, obviously, I think Kiffin did his homework on that one. Coleman Hustler is set to join the Ole Miss football coaching staff, replacing potentially Blake Gideon, who left to return home to Texas. He would take over special teams and likely assist in coaching the defensive backs. He's a veteran coach with 13 years of experience in the SEC. And for those of you that subscribe to the Ole Miss spirit, this will come as no surprise. We reported he was going to get the job on January 9th, even ran a picture of him on the front page of the site. But when he was identified or when he was made public as far as a name that could potentially join the staff, it moved pretty quickly, and that was the guy. There wasn't any real drama. Brumball is the first we've heard 
of real traction outside of sourcing stuff and minimal tidbits here and there. So it feels like it's safe to assume, though it's only an assumption, that Brumbaugh could be the front runner, especially when you connect the dots as it pertains to his recruitment of Taiwan Malone. That would make sense. If we've learned anything about how Lane Kiffin operates, he doesn't really drag out coaching staff hires. When he identifies his guy, he interviews him, he hires him. And there's not a lot of public candidates out there. Brumbaugh's the first one with a lot of traction to him, and he's interviewing. So I, I think it's safe to say he's probably the front runner. I'm not reporting that. I'm making a complete assumption about that. That certainly makes sense. Uh, I don't think it's solely because Malone, but that kind of puts the dominoes, you know, lines them up pretty well there. Um, especially since he probably knew Pruitt. He probably called Pruitt and said, hey, how's this guy? Or, or he may know him himself, but it could be the perfect scenario to land a guy like Tywin Malone. So I can certainly see that being the case there. Hutzler's a 13-year coaching vet, experienced in the SEC, spent one year at Texas. Tom Herman got fired. He came over from South Carolina in January of 2020. According to his bio, in 2019, his South Carolina special teams units ranked in the top 20 nationally in two categories, including rating 10th in net punting and 16th in punt return average. Let's just play this out. Let's say that the Hutzler hire is made official in the next couple of days. Brumbaugh comes in, he's interviewed, Lane decides this is my guy, I hire him. When you look at that staff and look at what Ole Miss lost in Gideon and Deke Adams and replace them with these two guys, is that an improvement? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's certainly, you're certainly swapping them out for um, for guys that, that have just as much experience, if not, you know, better. So I certainly don't think that it was any kind of downgrade. Um, you know, I think that these are two quality hires as well. And I'm going to throw this out there. I think that the Hustler guy, with him being at, at South Carolina, and that's where, um, you know, Lane Kiffin got Matt Lindsay from our GM. If I had to guess, Matt Lindsay was probably involved with that hire, um, knowing him, you know, coaching with him out in South Carolina. Um, the year before he got here, I, I, I would guess he was probably the guy that that helped Lane out in that. So, yeah, I mean, I think those are certainly two solid names to bring in. And, um, you know, the D-line coach being connected to Malone is just a, it's a huge plus. So what do we think happens with Tywin Malone? I think that we have a great chance to get him now. I think that um, there for a minute I was really worried. It was sounding like um, – like, like we like we'd lost some ground. Um, if if I had to guess, I would say that um, that this that baseball is really helping him. Um, I would say that's a it's a joint effort between the baseball coach and football um, staff recruiting him. I think that um, I feel much better today sitting here than I than I did before. I think the only other only other option for him would be A and M. I think it's a foot race. I think that we're um, I think we're right there in it. Though I think there's a good chance we get him now. Monday was the last day for draft-eligible underclassmen to officially declare for the 2021 NFL Draft. So any worries you might have had about a surprise or two from Ole Miss, you can go ahead and scratch that. It's not going to happen. Monday was the last day. But I wanted to touch on something. we got to jump to Ben Brown, coming to us on the Modern Women phone line. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions on iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. And when you go to iTunes, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. But I wanted to touch on something before we do. LSU, on Monday, hired your boy, Ryan Nilsson, as defensive coordinator. He was the Saints defensive line coach. Old friend of the program, Ryan Nilsson, and Edward Ron's boy. They were together at USC. What do you think about that? So I immediately sent a screenshot to one of my one of my old teammates, 
Ryan Nelson going to LSU. I mean, first off, Ryan Nelson went on after Ole Miss to have a pretty solid career. Very good coach. He's he was with the Saints a, a lot of games when we played the Saints, and I will say this: their D line has, has played very well as as him, you know, with him being the coach. But I think Ryan Nelson is it was a hire that was essentially I'm not going to say a yeah man, but Ed used to he used to be really tough on Ryan Nelson. So I don't know. Hopefully, the respect is is much greater than what it used to be at Ole Miss when Ryan Nelson was the D-line coach. But um, I'm more than sure Ed wanted a guy that he could kind of rip and get after. So um, good luck, Coach Nelson. I, I hope that hope that things have changed over the last um, you know 10 years between y'all's, y'all's relationship back from when you were at Ole Miss. This is just all blowing up the narrative after Coach O put together, to his credit, one of the very best teams in all of college football history. Tremendous coaching staff. Joe Burrow, awesome. But this blows up the narrative that Ed Orgeron has changed. Everything that has happened since tracks with what Ed Orgeron has always been. And that includes now hiring Ryan Nielsen as the defensive coordinator. Doing this proves that Ed Orgeron never changed. And the idea that he had changed, that he was the softer Ed Orgeron, it's complete horse hockey. He's been backed into a corner, feeling a little bit of the pressure. And when you feel pressure when you're Ed Orgeron, you lash out at everyone, and you surround yourself with guys that have just always been your guys. Not to say it's a necessarily bad hire. Ryan Nielsen's a good coach. But it just immediately brought back flashbacks of the nightmare that was Ed Orgeron at Ole Miss. And Ed always talked bad, or continues to talk bad, about how he was so thankful to be fired, how it was just a terrible experience. The feeling was mutual, Ed. Ole Miss gave you the keys. You were handpicked by Robert Kayat. And you got the job because when they came in, first they went out because they were going to go hire Dennis Erickson. They were settled. It was done. It was happening. It was just being finalized. Talks fell apart. Kayat decided, no, 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 I got our guy. And he flies out to California. They interview Ed Orgeron. And Ed Orgeron, pandering to the football past of Kayat, gets Kayat lining up in a football stance. And he ate that up. And they gave you the keys. They let you do whatever you wanted to do. They let you hire whoever you wanted to hire. You were just terrible. And the fact that the national media, because you left Ole Miss when you were a joke, and everybody made fun of you, you were best remembered for the Hummer commercial. But then you go to LSU, to your credit, put together an incredible roster, a great coaching staff, and you won. But trashing Ole Miss along the way as if Ole Miss was the problem? You were the problem. Look, no one's ever going to be able to take away your championship. Flags fly forever. On your resume, you will be a national championship coach. But you're still at Orgeron. Gene Chizik is a national championship winning coach. Brad, you can attest to this. Ed Orgeron at Ole Miss was a disaster. And it wasn't just because of Ole Miss. They gave you everything. It was more because Ed Orgeron is who he is. He was definitely very tough to play for. He was a um, very intense coach. So, yeah, I mean, he's he, he certainly benefited from going down to LSU and enjoying the talent. Um, I, I don't see that happening again, but um, this year will tell the tale whether or not he is um, he is he is actually you know much better or not. I, I particularly don't see it. Um, I don't I don't really have a problem with Ed. I think um, you know I, I don't I don't hate him at all. I actually appreciate you know how tough he made me, but. At the same time, um, I don't think he does wins another national championship at, at LSU. You couldn't have played four years for him. 
No, it, it would have been tough. It really would have, but um, I, I would have. I, I certainly would have just because I love Ole Miss. But yeah, it was. Um, oof. He was rough on the young guys. That's for sure. Rough on everybody, but really rough on the young guys. It was a. Um, yeah, by all accounts, though, he doesn't do that anymore. But I mean, we went very, very hard, harder than I mean. Looking back on it, I don't know how somebody didn't die. Um, you know, out there with some of the stuff we used to do. Too many chiefs, not enough Indians. <laughs> that, that ranks in the. That's not even, dude. That's not even the. That's that's hilarious. I got snakes yeah, in my yeah, head. Snakes in my head, Chuck. I got snakes in my head. Ever told you that story? <laughs> no. After the egg bowl the infamous egg bowl that cost him his job before he goes in for his post game, he pulls Chuck to the side and, and he and Chuck were not friendly. And he drags Chuck into what's like a broom closet and Chuck's got his back to the wall. It's this very small broom closet. And in this small broom closet, you got Ed Orgeron just kind of walking around stammering that big old idiot turning and twisting. Oh, and he's got his hands and he's circulating around his head and he's got his hands and he's moving. He's going, Oh, Oh, I got snakes in my head, Chuck. I got, so they're going to find me. They're going to find me, Chuck. Oh, I got snakes in my head. And Chuck's just sitting there like, oh, my God. He's going to kill me. This is how I die in this broom closet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, yeah, that's, I'm not surprised by anything I ever hear. Coffee grounds in the mouth, dipping them at five in the morning. He never changed. And I loved how he liked to deflect or change the past, alter history, his own history of Ole Miss because he had his moment. And congrats, you had your moment. You didn't have to shit on Ole Miss along the way. Ole Miss gave you every opportunity. They gave you your first opportunity. They set you on the path to where you ended up winning a national championship. So the idea that Ole Miss was the problem, you've always been the problem, you big bumbling buffoon. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit, been on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribe to Review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Before we jump to Ben Brown, Ole Miss offensive lineman, Kevin Steele is the interim head coach of Tennessee. Has it ever happened before that in one offseason, one coach is an interim head coach at two different programs? Kevin still first at Auburn, now at Tennessee. He knew exactly what he was walking into when Jeremy Pruitt hired him. He knew. Kevin Still's the one that instigated or started the coup to get Gus Malzahn out at Auburn. The coup just didn't work because fans revolted, and Alan Green, props to him, stood his ground, made his own hire, and Brian Harrison, he's the head coach at Auburn. If he doesn't work out, Alan Green, they're going to take you out. But good for you, standing your ground, not giving in to that insidious booster pull at Auburn. But Kevin still, sneaky little thing that he is, goes to Tennessee knowing that Jeremy Pruitt's probably going to get fired and I'm going to get promoted to interim. And maybe this time, this is how I can get my SEC head coaching job. Yeah, well, I didn't realize he was even there. Um, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> that's pretty interesting. But yeah, maybe he's the head coach at Tennessee and they can you know, continue to uh, suck. If it's Hugh Freeze, I'll be stunned. I know it's easy to connect those dots, and it is the job he absolutely 100% wants. I know that for an absolute yeah. fact. Let's just put it that way. I know that's the job he's been waiting for. But man, considering what they're facing, how? How could you hire him? Kevin Still would make a lot of sense. And then when you get through the NCAA stuff and Kevin Still doesn't win, you continue to suck because Tennessee, you're like the Dallas Cowboys of college. The 90s, they're not coming back. Maybe then, after Kevin Still doesn't win, you can make your freeze hire. He'll wait on you, or wherever he goes. 
He'll be ready to move for you. Your kindred spirits. I'll tell you what, I'm ex- I'm excited that Keith Carter gave Jeff Levy that extension because um, you can't tell me somebody like Tennessee wouldn't want to take a chance with, with someone like Levy. So great job, Keith, getting that getting that in before um, before Tennessee came knocking. Well, look at the internet right now. There's a groundswell of support for bringing Lane Kiffin back. So good job by Keith getting that extension done. That's a big-time move, too. Because, look, Kiffin's always going to flirt. But good on Keith for Lebby and for the extension of Kiffin because now another big SEC job depends on what you define as big because Tennessee, again, you're the Cowboys of college football. And I say that as a Cowboys fan. But another big SEC job comes open. And your man is still at Ole Miss. That's a big deal. This is Talk of Champions. He's Bradley Sal. Going to go now to Ben Brown, Ole Miss offensive lineman on the Modern Women phone line. First, we've got to say bye to Brad. Bye, Brad. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy. First, let's hear from BNA Bank and Modern Woodman. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Are you tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line is current Ole Miss Center, third generation Rebel, Ben Brown. Ben, thanks for coming on, man. How you doing? Man, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. And I wanted to make sure I got this right. Both of your granddads played for Johnny Vault, and your dad played for Billy Brewer, right? That's right. Yes, sir. Yeah, so you had no choice but to end up an Ole Miss Rebel. <laughs> had no choice. And uh funny story, actually, with uh, both my granddads, they were actually uh, sweet mates together as well while they're at Ole Miss. So, small world. <laughs> And I don't want to retread old ground here because you've been asked about your family history with Ole Miss countless times. So I'll phrase it this way. What was it like growing up in such a dedicated football family? Was there ever a question that football was the future for you or did they kind of let you find it for yourself? You know, really, my my dad did a great job with uh, kind of letting me do whatever I wanted. And uh, he encouraged me along the way and – he let me make my own decisions. And, uh, but really, honestly, we didn't, uh, 
we didn't have a ton of money growing up. My uh, my dad, he's a pastor, and so we actually didn't go to a bunch of the football games, except a couple here and there whenever I was growing up. But um, whenever I started getting recruited, you know, you get uh, two complimentary tickets to go to the game. So that's when I went to even more games. But I'd always try to keep up on TV from home for sure. Do you remember the first Ole Miss game you ever attended? Um, I think the the one that I remember <laughs> a long time ago. I think it was uh, I think it was Ole Miss played UAB. My uh, my grandparents took me, and uh, <laughs> it was cold. It was a night game. Uh, but I, I I think I was probably about eight years old. So, oh my I, god, I, was, I loved every second of it. Was that the Joe Webb game? Uh, um, it's so long ago. I, I'm not even sure to be honest. <laughs> Here's the question. Did UAB almost pull the upset on Ole Miss? I think so. I yeah. think, <laughs> but I think what ended up happening, uh, was that it got a little too cold for me and my cousin. So, uh, we ended up packing up about third quarter. So we didn't have enough blankets up in the stand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It gets like that sometimes with your family, you must've been learning about game schematics and strategy around the fricking kitchen table. Your late grandfather, <laughs> Alan Brown, he was one of the greatest players in Ole Miss history. What are some of the war stories from their playing days that they passed down to you that have stuck with you as you started on your own career? You know, honestly, they, they never really like, um, my family never really harped on, you know, like, Oh, like you're being an old Miss rebel or you're, uh, you're going to play in Oxford one day, you know, they, my family's just my whole entire life. has just been really good, especially with all my siblings, uh, just kind of letting us decide what we wanted to do growing up and all that. And, uh, but also my family also did say, Hey, you know, if you did get the opportunity to play in Oxford, Mississippi, here's all that you're, uh, going to be coming with. So, uh, you know, just really my, my family, they, I loved hearing stories about both my grand. But my grandfathers, whenever they're alive, they they tell me all these they these great stories they'd have and how times were a little bit different back then. Like uh, <laughs> I think my uh, grandfather, he actually both my grandfathers would hunt in the grove, squirrel hunt. <laughs> what? That kind of tells you a little bit. Yes, sir. So that tells you a little bit how times were different back then. <laughs> oh man, did they ever tell you about Wobble Davidson? I'm sure they did. It's been a while since I've heard a few of their stories. Yeah. The Wobble Davidson stuff is effectively, he'd put all this, the players through boot camps and they were just absolutely brutal. So those days in Johnny, you're right. It was a different time. And yes, practices are tough. But back then, I mean, it's out in the field, dirt patches, scraping everything. Yeah. I can't even imagine how that goes. You made That's 33 right. consecutive starts. You played right guard as a freshman, split time between guard and center last year. And one of the first roster moves for Lane Kiffin and staff once they arrived at Ole Miss was shifting you over to center full time. When you got that news, were you surprised? Um, you know, I'm. I think that I'm a big team guy. I'll do whatever the coaches want me to do, and uh, the most important thing is winning. And if winning was putting me at center in a position that I had to grow more comfortable and confident with, which I did as the season progressed, then I was on board with it. So. What were the conversations like? What did they say to you that prompted you to move there? Did they have rationale to explain it to you? Um, no, sir, not really. Uh, I just would kind of transition to center some more during the summertime. We had we had like an OTA approach with uh, since the season got pushed back a little bit and we didn't have spring football. We were 
allotted extra practices, not in pads or anything, but, you know, just shirt and shorts and helmets and kind of going through the schemes and learning everything. And I was kind of slowly just being brought up into that role of moving the center full time. Well, I asked that because talking to NFL talent evaluators for the last couple of years, you were always viewed as a next level talent. I mean, I've compared you to Chris Spencer, but when you were recruited, there was really no position identified for you. Of, okay, this is what he's going to be. And you committed to Ole Miss at a really tough time. Was it difficult when you did commit to make that decision? What was that like for you, that whole recruitment process, considering where Ole Miss was to where it is now? <laughs> you know, really, there was uh, no question in my mind that I want to be an Ole Miss Rebel. Um, you know, growing up my entire life and then being an Ole Miss fan and then Ole Miss football is so exciting to watch whenever I was in high school and, you know, seeing the Sugar Bowl, my, my dad, brother, and I, we actually, we went to that game and, uh, you know, the game was determined at halftime. And so that, that was really special. And, uh, you know, when I had the opportunity, I just, I, I had to take it. And I remember when my recruitment was starting to pick up a little bit, I think my junior year and, uh, started to get a couple of scholarship offers. And I remember, uh, that Friday, uh, it was a Friday. I think it was a couple of weeks after signing day. Uh, Grant Hurd had sent me a uh, text message saying he wanted to call me. You know, of course, I, it's probably 11:30. I say, "Hey, I got, I got to go to the bathroom." Okay, <laughs> talk to Coach Hurd real quick, and um, he offered me a scholarship, and I was, uh, I was crying my eyeballs out in the bathroom. <laughs> I told my parents, and they all came up to the school after. And man, that was that was a special day. It had to be so strange then to see Grant Hurd on a different sideline and playing against the team that he now coaches for in Indiana. Right. Yes, sir. You know, I actually uh, I got a chance to see Coach Hurd uh, after the game, and I just I thanked him for taking a chance on me and for giving me a blessing of a lifetime and opportunity that I've been dreaming of for forever. And uh, I'm just really grateful for him. So. I'll be honest. Grant hates cold weather. I know that about him. So him fitting at Indiana <laughs> is so funny to me. The idea of Grant just bundled up with like right. eight different coats. You know, that dude hates cold weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's probably probably tough going from, uh, you know, the coldest it gets in Oxford's about 35 degrees or so. And, you know, that's probably a typical day in Indiana. I'm not really an expert on Indiana weather. But <laughs> I just assume that it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot more brutal than it is down here, so... Yeah, best of luck with that, Grant. Um, but those first couple of years for you, man, I mean, the the success just wasn't there. I mean, y'all worked hard and y'all put it all out there, but the results weren't there. How tough was that to go through that? And once you did get through it, and then you have a season in which you win the Outback Bowl, what's that like? What's that feeling like for you? You know, I'll be honest with you. Yes, um, it was tough, you know, going through uh, – some tough losses that we had early on in my career, but at the same time, this is, this is what I've been wanting to do my entire life. And just, just to even have the opportunity to put on that red and blue and go out on the field with some teammates that I call my brothers, you know, I mean, I, that, that, that just meant more than anything right there. You know, uh, obviously you do want to win and you want to compete and you want to be the best team in the SEC in the nation. But, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just grateful that I've even given the opportunity because so many people aren't and so many people wish that they had the opportunity that I had. So I don't want to waste a single day of it. We'll get back to Ole Miss center Ben Brown in this edition of Talk of Champions 
after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. It's a new year. 2020, that awful, awful year, is behind us, thank goodness. And that means new beginnings. Maybe even a new car. Well, if you're in the market, there's only one place to go. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you. Get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff. They aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. And when you go, make sure to mention that Talk of Champions sent you. These guys are hardcore Ole Miss fans. They're going to want to talk some Rebel sports. But more importantly, they want to make the process as seamless as possible, that you get what you want at a good price. So contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. That's where you got to go to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. I have this flash idea that it's your dad, just like Rudy, his dad's standing in the stands, and then Rudy runs out of the tunnel. Here comes Ben Brown out of the tunnel. The tears <laughs> start streaming, man. That just had to be a family moment that was just pretty special. It it was really, really emotional, especially my uh, my first game. We played Texas Tech, and uh, I got the start at right guard. It was my very first game. Because, you know, back then, uh, my first year there in 2017, they didn't have the rule yet where if you're redshirted, you could play in four games like it is now like back then if you played one snap you were done and I remember my freshman year I almost had my redshirt burn we were playing I think Tennessee Martin and uh they told the twos to go in for like the last three minutes and uh <laughs> I went to grab my helmet because I was the second string uh either left or right guard so I'm like okay I guess I guess we're, we're rolling right now and I grabbed my helmet and Coach Luke grabs my helmet from me and uh, he says get your butt on the sidelines you ain't going in right now <laughs> So I, I didn't get my playing time until uh, Texas Tech, but I was blessed enough to be able to get in and start rolling, starting. So that was very, very exciting. What was your introduction to college football? That one hit that you went, oh, God, okay. This is the next <laughs> level. You know, I'd probably have to say immediately from a practice standpoint was uh, huge. I mean, just the fact how coaches, college coaches utilize time. So we have – coaches spend hours scripting practice, making sure it's perfect. And you only have so much time during the day. So they'll literally have segments of practice and they'll have to blow horns for each period just so you're utilizing all your time and making sure you're going over everything you need to go to. But I think it was my first, it was my first fall camp and uh, it was raining outside. So we ended up having to practice inside and it was like our second day in pads i think it was our first day in full pads we had done a couple days in shells and uh i had to block breland speaks and whew, he, <laughs> that man was good he uh he threw me down on the ground real easy and uh <laughs> he kind of told me that that's how it was in the sec so i better get buckled up ready to go so. yeah you only need one experience like that to know what you got to do the next time to not get knocked down on your butt again you know you just got you just need that one you. time <laughs> It'll wake you up quick, that's for sure. And it's really good for me. So. Yeah. Well, this year, you got your first Egg Bowl win, your first postseason appearance, the Outback Bowl win. Just so much went right. 
we didn't get access to you guys. I mean, fans didn't really get access to you guys. It was really just the coaches and the team. So what were some stories from this year that people might not know? Just a story that sticks out to you when this team came together and it all started to click. Um, there were a couple times this season. Uh, I think from the very beginning of the season, whenever we played Florida, I think we realized, like, oh, dang, like, we can be a good football team. I mean, we were – I mean, Matt was running all over the field. Elijah had over, I think, 200 receiving yards. And I think that really, like, surprised a whole lot of us. And uh, before the Kentucky game, um, I just wanted to tell everyone that I, I, I was able to – Coach Kiffin and uh, Coach Love gave me an opportunity to say something to the team the night before the game. And I was just telling everyone that, look, I'm – I'm tired of Ole Miss being disrespected. I'm tired of seeing us be on the back burner of so many team schedules. I, I wanted teams to look at us and say, oh, here we go. We're about to play Ole Miss. Not, oh, here's Ole Miss. This is an easy win. And um, I just want to tell everyone that we're good enough to win and we're good enough to bring SEC championships to this school. We're good enough. We have the talent. We have the coaches. And it's just time to start doing it. And uh, we had that big time overtime win in Kentucky and I think that just really just brought us some confidence like hey like we actually are really good we actually do have the talent and the coaches and our team is close and we we just got a lot of good going on and I think having a good SEC win like that just really just kind of built up our confidence some because I didn't even realize this I was telling Royce Newman uh in the locker room after the game that that last season, 2019, I don't think we – the last time we've won an SEC road game was my redshirt freshman year against Arkansas and Little Rock. And I told Royce that, and he was just as surprised as I were, but that also made us realize, like, we're, we're good enough to roll with the big dogs. So Yeah, and that Kentucky game, I feel like, was the turning point to get things going. Absolutely. Uh, I think we were all just – bought in completely and we we all just just from the Kentucky game I mean I was I was surprised myself like just how efficient we were running our offense and seeing us move down the field because the whole talk of the offseason you know obviously was COVID and everything but whenever we didn't know we were going to play Florida until about two or three weeks before we actually played them before we kicked off and I remember the word was then like oh Florida's gonna you know uh make a run for the SEC and potentially go to the playoffs and we obviously knew, you know, they, they didn't make the playoffs, but they did go to the SEC championship game. And so we knew we had a big test at our hands, but, but just, it was just so great to seeing guys just still staying up during the game and still just wanting to fight for all quarters. So. Look, I played offensive line in high school. That's not a brag. I wasn't any good, but I played offensive line in high school <laughs> and I know how difficult it is to be good because you don't get recognition when you're good. You only get acknowledged when you do something and screw up. And <laughs> this year, the offensive line, you didn't really notice the offensive line, which is the best compliment I can possibly give y'all. And for you, it was learning pre-snap blocking assignments, calling out defensive adjustments. The snapping got better to where it wasn't a problem anymore at the end of the year. The offensive line as a whole, if you had to assess it, I mean, would you not grade y'all out as pretty high? I thought we did great. I thought we had a great season, uh, considering we also had a lot of young guys that uh, really stepped up and really upped their game and played hard, played physical. And I think we got so much better as the year went on. And uh, I think that the potential is just 
just not even tap yet. I think we have so much even just more untapped potential, especially on the offensive line. And we got so much better as the season went on. But now we're all just so excited getting ready for the 2021 season and what we can do then, what we can prove people, how, how physical of a unit we can be. Four and five in the SEC probably correlates to an eight or nine win season in a normal year. So what are the expectations for y'all in the locker room? What do y'all believe is the goal going into next year? Because I talked to Jacquez Jones. He says the playoff. Is that kind of where you are? Absolutely. Yes, sir. We want to be the best version of Ole Miss football. And uh, I believe that we're going to shock some people next year. I really do. I really think we're going to have a good season. And everyone's bought in. I mean, you, you saw how many guys decided to come back because we're all so invested in this team and in this program. And I think that just rubs off on younger guys as well. And also even recruits that uh, we're building something special here in Oxford. What is Lane Kiffin like in a locker room? You know, <laughs> he's, he's great. He's, uh, he's not really like a, a guy that comes in and, and says a bunch. You know, he, he says what needs to be said, and uh, he gets us ready for every single game. And uh, we love playing for him. What about Jeff Levy, Wilson Love? They're all different big personalities, and they all bring something different. This coaching staff that many Ole Miss fans just haven't gotten to know because just of how media relations works, what are they like for you guys? I mean, did they kind of grab y'all pretty early? Did y'all know pretty early that this is a special group potentially? Of course, yes, sir. I mean, they're all they're all high-energy guys. Um, they all really uh, – what I love about this staff is uh, kind of placing – responsibilities on players and really making this team a player-led team versus just coaches leading and uh I've seen that firsthand guys stepping up left and right trying to make this more of a player-run team and uh if you have a player-run team and that that's dangerous because if if your teammates are leading one another then you're going to fight even that much harder for the guy next to you well, you being one of the leaders, one of the faces of the program, a fan favorite, going to leave as one of the best offensive linemen in school history, I'm going to ask you this point blank. Is Matt Corral a Heisman candidate going into next year? You're a center. You give me the definitive no answer. 100%. No doubt. Matt Corral is definitely a Heisman favorite next year. You heard it right there. It's Ben Brown. Ole Miss center. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. The energy is infectious. You got me amped up right now, and I'm just doing an interview. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I appreciate well, you. Absolutely. Just thankful for being on here. Thank y'all. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.